Has your mm-hmm. life changed? Are you are you different now? Since hosting the All Star Celebrity Softball Game, exactly. Not really. <laughs> uh, I did meet Felix Hernandez, which was That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I tried not to fangirl too hard uh, and mostly failed, but uh, that was very exciting. Uh, eventful weeks recently for both of us, especially you, I guess. Maybe your week is a little bit more eventful. There's nothing super eventful happened. Just other people found out your business. Anyway, Alabaster. Oh, debatable. I'm Dominique. That's Mina. I don't know what you're referring to with yourself. I guess you were Vegas. Yeah, I mean, just being me is awesome. You guys want to do some show? Um, let's do some show. Let's talk about everyone's favorite seven-foot-five freak of nature coming from France to the U.S., and that's Victor Wembanyama, who said that he likes the NBA. It's less physical. Is he going to regret saying that the NBA is less physical than Europe? I don't think so. Like, A, it reminds me of the Justin Fields comments from a couple of years ago where he said that, uh, the NFL seemed pretty slow to him when he was asked about the speed of the game. And then maybe he regretted saying that because he turned out to kind of struggle with certain parts of the game of football. But reading all of Wimby's quotes, it's not meant as an insult. <laughs> like, it seems pretty clear. It reminds me of when my uncle got out of jail. He came and stayed with us for a little bit, and we played basketball in the backyard with him, me and my brother. And we would say, Oh no, that's too physical. It wasn't a compliment. Like jail basketball <laughs> is not better basketball. It's garbage basketball. Get out of here, Uncle Jerry with your bull. <laughs> anyway, that is where Wimby was coming from. This game is better, is what he was saying. Okay. So I do have a little bit of a quibble with how this was presented, the quote was presented, not to accuse Alabaster of uh taking quotes out of context in a clickbait manner to incite discussion. But um, he wasn't really talking about the NBA. He was asked by Rachel Nichols, like, how has your experience been compared to Europe? And he was specifically talking about the two summer league games he's played in. Like, I've seen responses, people saying, oh, you think the summer league is NBA? No, he, but he was talking, he was asking an interesting question about what it's been like for him in the summer league. So I guess I just want to start by saying that. I don't think Wemby was trying to make some broader point about the uh, actual NBA and the difference in physicality, although you and I can talk about um, the difference between the two leagues and, you know, since we're experts in European basketball uh, and um, and whether or not like you can actually make a case that because of the speed and spacing of the NBA and the rules in Europe, maybe there is less physicality. It's kind of different from saying the yeah. players are less physical, I mean, which I think is how people are interpreting it. Like they're like, oh, you're saying the European guys and- are more physical. It's not. That's not at all what he's saying. And maybe the players are less physical because all the reasons that you said. And Wimby had more than just that response. He talked about how the game is constructed in the NBA. And he talked in, I think, Luka Luka Doncic at one point talked about the three-second rules. Like, there's so many things about the NBA that they made deliberate choices, much like the NFL, to make the game more wide open, less physical, more exciting, more athletic, more fluid. So, like, 
and Wimby was kind of hinting towards all those things. It was more than just that one yeah. context. It seemed like overall, what I took from it was he was not looking to say, oh, I'm tough. This ain't hurting me, which would be something worth would be something that I would think is worth him saying because the only knock that anyone has against him right now is he's skinny. Right. But that's not even what he's saying. He's saying, I like this game. This game is better. Yeah. Much like I was saying, I like playing in my eighth grade rec league. Playing against Uncle Jerry in the backyard was garbage. So yeah. I think uh, me and Wimby, kind of the same person. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't know if you've had any run-ins with Britney Spears lately. That You were in Vegas, too. Not in a yeah. long time. Not in a long time. I, have I ever um, told you my Britney Spears? I'll tell you off-air my Britney Spears story. Does it have to be an off-air story? Oh, no. It doesn't have to be an off-air story. I just don't know this that interesting. My rookie year, my first trip to Vegas after we beat the Chargers to win the eight. AFC West champ took me on a private jet to Vegas and we landed on the tarmac and took a limo from the tarmac to the rooftop of a club to bring in the new year at a table next to Britney Spears. And it was just one of those moments where uh, like four or five months ago, I was a third round draft pick and now I'm on the rooftop playing cornerback opposite champ Bailey of the AFC West champions dancing next to Britney Spears. And on the other side was a, uh, Lisa Ray, and she was married to the prime minister guy. I don't know if they still are. Anyway, moving on. How would you have reacted if Britney Spears had tried to tap you on the shoulder and tell you she was a big fan? Well, I wouldn't have done anything, but my security, hopefully, <laughs> would have got serious about getting them hands off me. She was popping then. That was 2005. Yeah. Going into 2006, Britney Spears was popping. She was on top of the world. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's insulting to the NBA to say, as you pointed out, that the game has changed in a way that has made it less physical. That's the nature of the game. And I don't think pointing that out, um, or I guess saying that there's a difference between that and, and the rules in Europe and the way basketball played in Europe is a comment on the actual players. I think that's the distinction you and I are trying to point out here, right? Like uh, the the negative interpretation of this is like, oh, wow, European player, like he's saying NBA players are soft or something. It's not at all what he's saying. I don't know, man, poor Wemby. Like <laughs> he's, the dude's he's been in, in the for league it, for like 30 seconds and he keeps like- He's not even in the league yet. I mean, <laughs> technically I guess he's in the league, but he hasn't played in one of 82 actual regular season games and he's already got drama surrounding him. I think you wanted to stay away from the media criticism, but I think it's worth doing at least as a warning to all of our colleagues. It's like, we want players to talk and it feels weird that we jump on these small things and turn them into big things or try to turn them into big things because it feels like in the long run, let's just be patient. Somebody going to give us a, a nice juicy meatball at some point if you don't keep jumping on these crumbs. It's gotten so bad, though. It's not just the NBA, it's the NFL, too. But yeah. I really like I remember it was the, the Embiid quote about Harden after the playoffs that went viral where he was specifically asked about James Harden and he was talking about his importance to the team and how they need other players and whatever. If you actually read the entire quote in context in response to the question, it was totally innocuous yet because there's all these, there's like a few aggregator accounts with blue checks now on Twitter that take out the quotes and make them look terrible. That that would it's not only a, it, I am not straw manning this to, by the way, not only did it go viral, but Dame Lillard quote tweeted and was yeah. like, oh, okay, next topic. 
What were your thoughts on David Falk's scathing comments about the state of the NBA? Um, I like how you just titled that topic MJ's agent. I mean, he doesn't get a name. I'm just trying to coast off of the name of MJ to get people to care about David Falk. I mean, the things that he said were incredibly interesting to me because it's about uh, the CBA and the way that the leagues are constructed. Yeah. And he kind of pointed out some issues that we've all kind of talked about and how the NBA and the Players Association, they negotiate the CBAs together. Uh, they are moving in a direction that that leaves space for less creativity and less movement and less in intrigue in the offseason. And in some cases, at least one, it points to the max contracts and how it forces up the salary of players who aren't quite at that level, which then leaves very little space to build up talented teams around them. So if you have to pay the max, the same max to Bradley Beal that you have to pay to LeBron James, then it's going to be real hard to build a winner in Washington. There, There's a lot in this interview that's yeah. really interesting and I think speaks to kind of the current NBA offseason and the lack of big money free agents. Uh, I, I guess I would, but let me, let me kind of lay it out. He, he really is critical of two things. One, it's about the lack of free players actually reaching free agency. And this is, you alluded to it with, the, it's structural, right? I mean, the fact that the superstars now are forcing their way out of teams or that the trade market generally has replaced free agency is a product of the fact that these guys can sign supermaxes a couple of years before they hit free agency. So naturally, you're going to see a more active trade market than guys actually reaching free agency, right? So so he's critical of that, and I, that's interesting. It's open to debate. I think how much this has hurt teams, interest, fans, all of that, we can talk about that. And then there's the other thing, which you alluded to, he also criticizes, which is the, the max structure making it so essentially the league has redistributed money that would have gone to the superstars whose earnings are now capped to the mm -hmm. second tier players. And that is another interesting criticism. I, you know, I think, uh, I don't really care about his complaints about the, that agents can't get creative. I really don't like, okay. <laughs> but those two things I, I think are really interesting because, um, you can look at it from two points of view. One is like, is this actually good for players? I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that, the whole lack of big money free agents and then the um, the fact that these uh, second-tier players get paid so much. And then there's the fan interest side of it. Like, is it good for the sport of basketball? Let's start with the player side first, Dominique. Right. Like, what do you think about his criticisms so, of those two phenomena and how right. it actually affects the players? He also argues that the new CBA is essentially a hard cap and the soft cap era right. of uh, basketball is gone, which also takes away agent creativity and reduces player um, mobility. So anyway, I would say that the fact of the matter is it's complicated is if I am a player who is a second tier superstar, but there are only <laughs> 10 superstars in the league yeah. and everybody has to pay somebody a max deal, it's been great for me. And honestly, if I am anybody else in the league who is not a superstar or a second tier superstar, the fact that the max contract exists leaves more money around for me. The idea of moving into a world where the second apron creates a hard cap, that ain't good for anybody in, on the player side. But I think one of the real challenges of CBA negotiations is the interests, there are much, much more disparate interests on the player side than there are on the owner side. 
So it's a lot harder to galvanize your group around something like, say, max contracts. So the most yeah. powerful people would be like, no, no max contract. I'm worth 75% of this cap because I am and I want to get paid that. But it doesn't work out. So that makes for a challenge. Whereas on the other side, the owners tend to always agree. What do we need to do? Take money and power away from the owners. I know I'm going long, but the last thing I'll say is the thing I hate about the CBA is how much it influences the outcomes on the court and on the field. And then we get distance away from it. And we think about the players and the teams as overcoming other players and teams and don't appreciate that the league had their hand in manipulating this from the intro to free agency to to the pay scale in football to max contracts to the bird rule like all these things have and now the second apron that one year where we had the cap spike that allowed kd to go to the warriors like all these things have an impact on the game and then we get a couple years away and we're like this guy's not a winner and we don't appreciate that there are also other reasons that make the game the way it is yeah uh i think you hit on something there that, you know, when I ask you like all these changes, the max, super max, all this, is it good for players? As you pointed out, well, it depends on what kind of player you are, but I think largely there, what's good for players is not a hard cap, which yeah. is what he's arguing exists and getting more of the money. It, how that money is distributed, it, it's so dependent on which players you're talking about. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think like, if he's complaining about that, that, that aspect of it, uh, you know, I, it's, I mean, he represented one of the players who would have been the guy who in the current, uh, situation would have been hurt because he's a guy who would have, you know, in a free, a truly free market would command like an extraordinary percent of the cap, Michael Jordan. Um, I think the question of the, the other side, the other thing though, which, is, which is, um, the lack of free agency and, you know, the fact that oh, the trade interest, market right. has, well, I'll hit the fan interest in a second, okay. but the, the notion, the question of whether or not the fact that these big stars don't actually ever hit free agency, whether that's good for the players, that's another one where I don't really, it's another one that's a little bit complicated, right? Because it's kind of free agency without free agency right. now. Like they get Which is paid part of the what they problem. would get paid anyways. Yeah. I Sorry. mean, I, I guess so like this frustrates me generally when we talk about players and how they choose to like do ridiculous things or threaten to move to different teams. And I think David Falk is probably right. Overall, that's probably bad for the league. Like no one enjoys that if that's your team. Yeah. And so I agree, but we stop at saying like these players are, it's the player's fault and we don't appreciate that they are like rational actors behaving how you would expect them to behave in an environment so if you create something like the bird rule like if you re-sign with your team you get a lot more money and you combine that with a max contract which limits the amount of power that the team can have over you if you are a player who has a ton of power but they've tried to like money whip you into staying where you are and they've also suppressed your salary then you're like, no, I'm going to find a way out. The fact of the matter is this is, again, is a result of the CBA and it's a result of the owners rather than yes. negotiating on a fair playing field, try to change the rules every year. And the players are doing what you would expect anyone who has what we all would do if we were that damn valuable. 
Okay, well, that now we're kind of flipping to like the fan, like, okay, is this good or bad for basketball, right? Because I think, is it good or bad for the players? I think you and I both agree, nah, it's just kind of moving money yeah. around, different right. times they're getting paid. Clearly that second tier is benefiting, but overall it's it's the it's the yeah. pie that matters. I mean, if you're a good enough player, eventually you'll end up in a city that you want to be in getting paid the uh, the most amount of money you can get paid. Yeah. If it's good for basketball, that's where, uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you i i i want to live in a world where we can acknowledge that like what's happening with dame lillard is not fun for most fans and it's not fun to think that if you sign a star to a huge contract he might leave so it might mean nothing but it also doesn't mean that lillard's doing anything wrong like because of the nature of you know bird rights and all that like these guys are incentivized to do these deals there's zero reason not to do the deal mm -hmm. i would contrast it i think with the nfl where Guys are also incentivized to get paid early, um, not because they can get more money, but because teams have so much leverage over them with the franchise tag and also the threat of injury. Mm -hmm. um, however, the, the the key difference is NFL players aren't forcing their way out to the yeah. extent that NBA. Sometimes they do. It happens a not little much, bit, yeah. but not much. And there's, I, I find that generally pretty fascinating because, um, so yeah. I think it there's a lot of reasons for that. It's kind of yeah. complicated, but I do think it does make the NFL a more appealing product to right. the fan, like the larger fan base, I guess. Most yeah. of the fan base. Um I'm not sure. Yeah. I uh, I'm not sure that I agree with you because I think that the NFL players, most of them, it's only the quarterbacks. Like, honestly, I think the movement of most players will not impact the fan base. And I think part of the reason why the players don't do a lot of moving is, frankly, football players don't have as much power or leverage as top tier basketball players. Middle of the road basketball players ain't out here call, calling or calling for making trade demands. It's just not being respected. And there's nobody in football outside of Aaron Donald and, and like 10 quarterbacks who have the same amount of power. Go ahead, Alabaster. I, I just want to note that Furkan Korkmaz also demanded a trade this year. So there are bums demanding <laughs> trades. Fair. Well, but to the fan impact on on basketball, I think as much as I'm hesitant to agree, I think it's a lot better when you have like long-term relationships with a player yeah. to a city. And then I think for us, the casual fans who aren't like deep in on a specific team, it's nice to be like, oh, those are the bad boy Pistons. I know everything I need to know about them because I've been hearing about this construct for like many years. And the same thing like the, the current teams, the Warriors. Like we have a feeling who the Warriors are and it, it gives you a character to want to come and watch. There's not very many teams that have that. And then of course, the, the local pride, you get more attached to a team. So yeah, I don't think, I think they're trying to force us into a world where players stay in their cities because they think it's better for the game. And I think they might be right. Just the way they're going about it, I kind of hate. Yeah. The, and the NFL too, it's like, there's more mechanisms for player teams to turn around their fortunes in a yeah. way that I think is also good for the product because, um, you know, the NBA, we're talking about like 10 guys who are like moving around the league and you can't really win without any of them. And in the NFL, those players exist, but they also, you know, every year, a couple of years, there are guys who are in the draft if you're bad enough. And if your team sucks and you tank and you clear out the cap, 
there are superstars to be gained in free agency. All of that, I think, also uh, conspires to make the sport really not just more popular as a whole because it genuinely feels like mm -hmm. things can kind of change, but um, it gives individual fan bases a reason to stay engaged. It just sucks that the entire thing we're discussing is not because like the NFL, like, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the players are more loyal or anything like that. It's yeah. purely because in the NFL, you can't hold out. You yeah. just can't do it. There's you're like, you're going to, you're not going to make that money back uh, for a number of reasons. It's the nature of the sport. It's the nature of the contracts. It's all of it, the punishment, all of it. Whereas in the NBA, um, you know, like we believe these guys yeah. when they say they <laughs> might not play. Ultimately, isn't that what they, all it comes down to? To bring back to your original point, who has leverage? Well, yeah. those players have more leverage. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not only that we believe them; it's that they are that valuable. <laughs> it's like yeah. it, because to your point, the complexity that exists in football allows you to find different ways to win. You can go from the bottom of your standings to the top of your standings because you added the right coach and found the right scheme. It doesn't even always have to be the right players because the game is yeah. so complex. In basketball, there's one way to win, guys. There's one way. You, you gotta have the better a players. A couple of these dudes. Yeah. But even, even a player who I would argue is that valuable, Lamar Jackson mm -hmm. threatened, right. you know, it was like, trade me. Mm -hmm. He still lacks the leverage because we all know he's not sitting out games. <laughs> Yep. It's just that sucks. Yeah. Like, even if you are one of the very few players in the NFL who you would think would have that kind of leverage, it's just not going to happen for you. So there was one other David Falk quote that that was interesting, which was basically questioning how much power the current crop of NBA players have and saying that Jordan and Ewing had as much power, but they just chose to operate in different ways. Like Jordan made $33 million last year in the Bulls. The rest of his teammates combined made $28 million. And in David Falk's mind, that's more player empowerment than demanding trades. And he thinks it's the responsibility of the players to do what's best for the league. Do you guys agree, disagree, give any credence to that point? Well, I don't agree. It's a responsibility of the players to do what's best for the league. <laughs> it's not. Uh, as far as like Jordan having more power, I mean, that you know, just because of the way contracts were at the time, I guess you can make that argument. Um it, people have different incentives yeah. uh, back then. I mean, I, I, don't I think, know, you know, like, I, I, um, yeah, I think that it depends on how you define power. To me, Jordan sold his power and he sold it for a high price, which is what he chose to do with that power. And these current players who are under these max deals that are as good or as impactful, which really just means like two or three guys they have not sold their power. They're taking less than what they are, their value is to their team and what their value is to the league. In exchange for that, they get to tell you who to sign, who to trade, what team they want to go to. So that's to me, that's what it sounds like. It feels like at least you can't create or destroy power. <laughs> it's going to go somewhere. You either got to, it's either going to go back into the front office in exchange for money, or it's going to stay in the most powerful player's pocket and they'll use it the way they want to use it. And then they'll say, all right, I'm out of here. All right, guys, you ready for some football? My gosh, Alex. I feel like we went 30 minutes each of those first two topics. Actually, yeah, 29 minutes on this first tip. Um, all right, guys, uh, there was an interesting article in Sports Illustrated about the Bills cap situation and mm. how the future of this team is going to look. Is this their last season where they have a chance to win with this core? <laughs> no. No. I mean, uh, if you have Josh Allen – 
if you have one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, you're always going to have a chance. I firmly believe that, frankly. I mean, and, you know, and Stephon Diggs. You need like a couple players, but, yeah. but, but, uh, yeah, no, but it's going to get a hell of a lot harder. And I think what was so fascinating, this article I thought was really good. It, it did a terrific job of laying out the difference between the Bills and their primary competitors in the AFC, the Bengals and the Chiefs, in terms of who's making the most amount of money on their team, how these rosters are constructed. Um, starting with the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs, uh, they have a lot of younger players. They uh, And then the stars outside of Kelsey are mostly on, the guys who are making a lot of money are mostly on the younger side. The Bengals are about to be like that when they pay Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. The Bills, on the other hand, as it says here, six of the 10 highest paid players will be 29 or older at the start of next season. And then, you know, Josh Allen uh, is young, but some of that is purely because of the free agents they've signed, like Von Miller, for mm -hmm. example, who's a bit older. Some of it also that they've given out third contracts, whereas teams, the Chiefs, right. have been a lot more um, judicious, cutthroat, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like moving on from right. players. Um, so the total of it is, you know, just, I, I, I think. You can argue, based on everything I just said, that there's more pressure on the Bills to win now mm -hmm. than there is on those other two teams. And I think that's fair. Yeah. So I boil it down to kind of three things. And this to me is is Veach versus Bean. It's the the personnel decision makers for both the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. And they've gone about this in two different ways. And I could see the argument for both ways. But it seems to me that obviously what Veach has is Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have a top quarterback, a top five quarterback. He kind of has the guy, which yeah. I would argue in defense of Brandon Bean's decisions. So like the way I would explain both of the strategies, it comes down to kind of three things. If you're going to build a roster and it's very uh, Belichickian, I guess, and what the Chiefs are doing and getting out early and taking small risk. And the last thing that I would put on this that we don't talk about much in roster management, it's not even drafting well. This is it's um, schematic flexibility is, I think, something that you have to mm, appreciate yeah. because that's how you define whether you drafted well or you haven't drafted well. You can draft good players, but if coaches don't know how to use them properly, then you're in a bad situation. So it's important to be able to move on from guys early, which is a risk. You, it's a risk. And you have to replace them with younger, cheaper players. And what if you bring in guys that can't do the that the old guys could do? You have to find out what those guys can do and then build your roster around them and make those good picks. Or else you get in a situation where rather than taking small risk here and there with players here and there and admitting when you're wrong fast and trying to fix that you end up in a situation that the bills are in which again i'm not saying it's wrong where there's like f it all in all in we're not yeah. going to let anybody who can add anything to this to this team leave i don't care how old they are i love your point about schematic flexibility because you know my initial instincts that well you know patrick mahomes like everything gets a little bit easier in terms of the risks you take the whatever but it's also Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Yeah. Let's be real, because like they lose, Ty they trade away Tyreek Hill, and the entire world pretty much expects his offense 
not to be bad. We all thought they would still be amazing, but like, you know, to take a little bit of a step back. And a big part of the reason they didn't is the continued evolution of Patrick Mahomes, who became this like absolute like quick game conservative assassin, like brilliant from inside the pocket last year, all of that. But also like, you know, the, and you saw this on display in the Super Bowl, like the Chiefs suddenly became this like dominant three tight end team. They were a power running team. They were like using like, you know, the combination of Reed and Mahomes is such that you can save money right. elsewhere or experiment exactly. with scheme or try different things in a way that other teams potentially cannot. They even the Chiefs on... have also drafted well, though. Yeah. We need to nod to yeah. that. Like, you know, last year. That's my year, point. Um... Have they? Or or has the schematic flexibility? Yes. Well, I guess on the defensive side. On defense. That's yeah, the, on yes. Defense, so, right, on de yeah. so the Chiefs last year on defense played the third amount of – the third most rookie snaps – behind like Chicago and Houston, two yeah, crappy teams. teams. You don't respect. All those players were playing really well. You know, it, right. some of it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Some mm -hmm. of it is drafting well. And then when we look at the Bills, this is where I get worried, Dominique, because the last few drafts, some yeah, promise, yeah. but I, I, they, like, they have to hit on a few of those picks. I think there's a lot of pressure on them this year on some of those younger players to show up because of the way the cap is structured. Yeah, the, the Chiefs look a lot like, and this is why I said the Belichickian uh, Patriots way, they look a lot like that. Not if you just watch them play, but in the decision-making process and yeah. also the, the schematic flexibility. Because that offense behind Tom Brady – they had probably four different iterations of like what they were good at uh, through the course of their championship runs. And then that defense, like, hey, we got some good players. We'll pay them here and there, but we're going to let them leave too. And we're going to get some young guys. We're going to keep rolling young guys in and keep tweaking the scheme until we find uh, guys that fit. And that's how you have uh, the longest running maybe uh, period of dominance of any team in professional football and that's what the chiefs are kind of set up to do right now because they've shown that they can rebuild on the fly and they're about to give chris jones a ton of money that's going yeah. to change some of these numbers i want to emphasize that but i think um what the really great teams have done is when it comes to those third contracts or players over in their late 20s or older they got to be superstars. Like you got it. Like, it's like, you know, it's Aaron Donald, it's Chris Jones, it's Travis Kelsey or whatever. Other than that, I think, uh, the, you, the more successful teams that tend to be a little bit more hesitant when they get to that contract or they find value. The tough, the tough thing about yeah. all of this is what I said at the top, the way we're gushing over what the chiefs have done suggests that like we hate what Brandon Bean and the, and the bills have done, but when 13 you, seconds and we're having an entirely exactly, different conversation, exactly. also stupid. Exactly. But not just that, when you sit this article over and I read it, I was looking at a lot of the decisions they made and not many of them did I think were bad at the time. You know, yeah. like I get the idea like, man, we're so close. We can't let him walk. Like I get that idea. It's a lot easier to do what the Chiefs have done once they already got a Super Bowl in their pocket. They had a Super Bowl in the pocket. It's very different when the, the Bills have done nothing but lose Super Bowls or not well, get to them. And it's like, the, it's not the Bills' fault that like half their defense got injured last year. And maybe you can say, well, if you give these guys, older guys, right. big contracts, you're inviting that a little bit. But like, 
you know, they're like Micah Hyde was lost for the season. Tredavious White didn't play until the end. Uh, their big Von Miller was amazing in the first half of the season. Uh, so like, again, all these decisions are like kind of defensible. Exactly. It's not like, it's not like the bills signed crappy players, man. Like they signed good players. Uh, they just got unlucky. Uh, but I do think it's fair to like, just kind of put a bow on it to say because of the decisions they made, because right. of the types of players they they've chosen older, whatever they do face a little bit more pressure to win now. Yeah. And also cause they don't got one in their pocket. <laughs> like, I think that's, that changes the way that I think you operate in the front office. If you're chasing a Super Bowl, it's a little bit different. You're more comfortable with like, all right, now it's time to retool. They're like been on the doorstep. It's like, we haven't had one. We're the loser yeah. franchise. We can't let any talent leave. But anyway, you already put a bow on it, so I don't know what I put on it. Something useless, obviously. What's next, okay. Alabaster? <laughs> All right. Um, Kyler Murray. Kyler said he wants to be back for week one. Is that the best thing for him and the best thing for the Cardinals? <laughs> Mina, since he sends you birthday I, oh, wishes. Yeah. I know. My interest in this story is not – to discuss whether or not Kyler Murray can, is going to be rehabbed by week one. I think talking about injuries is the dumbest thing that we do in this industry. Who the heck knows? Probably not. I don't know. What I find interesting about it is uh, the Cardinals are in a situation where Kyler Murray and the team have different incentives. Right. Maybe. That's where I want to get. Yeah, Not maybe. No, yes, but also it's complicated. Right. Um, oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, all right, I get you. The Cardinals are walking. It's complicated for the Cardinals. For Kyler, he wants to come back and play well and prove himself and do all those things, no doubt. The Cardinals are an interesting spot because they don't want to be good. Everything they've done in the offseason, the draft suggests they are a team that has no interest in competing this year. That knows they're bad. Um, I appreciate the self-awareness quite frankly uh especially the you know i think you and i both love the trade they made in the draft acquiring that texans pick oh, yeah. for next year awesome so kyler if kyler comes back healthy the more he plays the less likely it is they're going to have those high draft picks so in a way like they don't want him to play right because they don't want to win games and for those for those who don't know, tricky. sorry for those yes. who don't know, having high picks in NFL draft are always valuable. But there is a player in this year's draft that yes. is two. particularly I valuable. And well, there's I mean, two. Caleb Williams is the one that comes to mind. Yeah. I'm in DC, so I'm biased. There's two very good quarterbacks in this draft, him and Drake May. But there's you know, it's a lot of ball game left. But yes, however, this is where it's like really interesting, and I want to hear your thoughts. If the Cardinals are bad enough to where they can get one of those quarterbacks, great. They're going to have to trade Kyler Murray. Right. Take a huge dead cap hit, $45 million. It would be easier to trade Kyler Murray and maybe get something decent in return if Kyler Murray comes back and looks good. So it's like they're kind of they have to kind of thread a needle where he can come back and prove himself. Almost. <laughs> almost. They got that Texans pick, baby. They got that yeah, Texans pick. Yeah. They need to come back and go undefeated all on Kyler Murray's bum knee so that he can have a lot of value because they still uh, got the Texans who I don't I think are going to be all that competitive. 
this year. They can't, but they can't control the Texans pick. They sure. can control their own pick. So yeah, it's yeah, it's very, it's a really fat. It's it's going to be really interesting. And if like I were a yeah. quarterback coming out, I would hope that they didn't get it because the dead cap hit that you're talking about is going to put a quarterback in a bad spot, yes. and also their recent track record of moving on from quarterbacks and not having quarterbacks succeed, I'd be really concerned if I was a quarterback with a lot it's of a promise. It's a terrible situation. Yeah, the team it's sucks. A, it's a bad situation. Anyway, go ahead. So isn't you said that you think Kyler would want to come back and play and succeed and be great. Isn't it in his best interest to not play? Because like this is a guy who wanted a trade. He wanted to be out of there. They then embarrassed him and put the video game clause in his contract about studying film. Um, and it's been like nothing but bad vibes with him and the organization for the last couple of years. And if they suck bad enough, they get the number one pick. He's definitely not going to be there and he's going to get what he wants anyway after getting the mega deal. I don't know, man. I don't, I think he has like, let me rephrase this. Rephrase this. I don't think a team is going to trade for him unless right. he comes back and That's plays well. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, for the number, I mean, I guess the the um, Cardinals could hang on to more of the salary number to make him more attractive on for another team to take. But Kyler Murray was the guy who we thought, who a lot of people thought was too small to play in this league in the first place. So, like, that cuts down on the people who will be interested. He hasn't put up numbers that would suggest that people want to stick with more consistency that would convince anybody to – want to add him to his team so like you're arguing that maybe he ends up in a different situation that doesn't mean you're in a better situation with people that actually want you to succeed you might end up somewhere where someone's like all right fine i'll take him off your hands because it'll be weird for you to have him in a locker room but you're paying 80 percent of the salary and he's just going to be a bum on our bench and i'll take him along with a draft pick it'll be your payment a very nba style trade I was going to say, though, this cuts back to the NBA discussion because Kyler can't pull a dame and be like, trade me to Miami. Mm -hmm. Like, these teams laugh laugh at his face. I do will say, like, there's potential that he could be the most undervalued player in the NFL. Like, I've been doing all these quarterback rankings because it's June, July, and yeah, self-explanatory. And I have so much trouble ranking him, Dominique, because – I like the 2021. He was an MVP candidate through the first half of the season. The highs highs are so high. high. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he has all of those qualities that are so, I mean, frankly, like some of the qualities Caleb Williams has, like are ones that Kyler Murray has shown in the NFL. But then obviously, struggles last year, there's questions off the field, all of that. I, I think he has a lot to prove. I think both. I would argue like football and not football, like the best thing for his career would be to come back into a crappy situation, remind people of how good he is, um, build up some good juju and maybe make the decision a little bit harder for Arizona because we don't even know that he wants to leave. The best thing to do is cozy up to a reporter and write the story about how this injury, this knee injury caused you to, to refocus and it changed your outlook and you realize how you took it all for granted. And now you're Mr. Film guy, then come back last eight games of the year, play well. We know you can put out half a good season. We've seen you do it a couple of times. And then you give the Cardinals a hard decision and you hope that they move you somewhere else that is better run. I thought you were going to say cozy up to reporter, become a reply guy. <laughs> tweet, tweet at her. Congratulations. Uh, he did a dog pic at me recently. A picture oh, really? of his dog. It's so cute. 
He seems like a nice guy. I, I was like, I ran into God, a bunch. I ran yeah, into a bunch sorry. of basketball players at summer league, and uh, I'm guilty of this. Even though I'm a former player, I'm as guilty as anybody of like forgetting that they're people. <laughs> and like mm. talking about them and like evaluating their worth like they're not people then you see them and it's like they're with their family their kids or they're with their their friends You're like oh yeah they're just nice guys <laughs> trying to do a job as best they can god dominique what is wrong with you these guys aren't commodities these guys are not commodities i never forget um, the humanity i can't i don't i can't relate to that sentiment and yeah, by, by the way he's gonna look sick in a dolphin's uniform in 2024 um <laughs> but i digress let's get to the cat pervert i've been waiting for this um we got a video here what are the chances that this guy's a cat pervert i saw cat pervert was trending you're unreasonable I, people I, you're I, holding our cat how i'm not even in there i want you to explain how if you would go in your yard and say mercury Go home. Don't come in our yard anymore. She they will want not. To... She's a cat. She doesn't speak English. Oh, dead. really? You this this doesn't mean go home. No. Huh? Hand uh -huh. signals don't mean anything. It's a cat, dude. Really? Okay. All right. Well, we'll have the police department figure it out. Absolutely. Okay. Great idea. All right. oh, no. Boy. So the cat doesn't eat and drink anything over there, right? No. Oh no, never. Right? No, never. No. No, never. Never. Yeah, yeah. never. Yeah, you cat pervert oh my God, you gotta ask him. i cat have done i've done nothing cat to bring pervert. the cat i've done nothing cat to bring the this dude's lost it he's oh, lost it he's lost it with something else i'm a cat pervert what crime is that what crime is that you know what? There's a crime about you harboring my cat. What crime is that? Against the law. What crime is that? It's called harboring an animal. I can understand being angry if my cat was in your yard. You're angry because you know your what? cat is in you my yard. Man. You're making things a lot worse. Right? <laughs> you could just send my cat home. Man, your cat chose me. It's not my fault. You own a cat, unlike me. I do own a cat. Lamar. Did you see Lamar? Lamar, I know a house of another. No, Lamar likes it here. He's treated well here. I'm not not keeping no hostages. Volunteers. Would you be not insulted? Hostages. Would you be insulted if Lamar started hanging out at someone else's house? Would you Hell call no. it a cat pervert? Hell no! I'm like, congratulations. Now I don't have to scoop your <laughs> anymore. <laughs> scram! I love you, but scram! Yeah, cat pervert. I really loved how it, he found his his catchphrase. You yeah, could I know. You could do, I know. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I got one. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in in his defense, <laughs> it hits. Capper <laughs> works. <laughs> if you notice, the guy who's recording, he chuckled. He got him. He got him. When yeah. you <laughs> when you when you're accusing someone of being a cat pervert and they laugh, you know you got a line now. He the dude wasn't also like this is where I'm. I can't relate at all. He wasn't put off by the fact that he was being recorded. Yeah. And in fact, I think he like, you know, say, like, I'm gonna put on a little show for you. You're gonna record me. I'm gonna come up with a catchphrase. I'm gonna point my finger. I if somebody had their phone, like I, I don't understand that instinct at all, but if someone was doing that to me, I would immediately walk away. Is that a cat's oh, paw? It is. Cat pervert. So feeding uh, cats is perverse. Um, I don't know, one percent, ten percent, who cares? Yeah, I'm gonna go low on that. I don't think uh when I think cat pervert, that's not the sort of behavior that comes to mind. If you were to have a cat, what would you name your cat? Kyler. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Super quick. Uh, Athletic. I mean, my cat's named Lamar, so. 
could really have a rivalry between Kylie no, and No, we actually don't. <laughs> we don't have a rivalry at all. <laughs> <laughs>